Uh, speaking of community groups, we're actually going to close the series that we've done this entire summer focusing on community groups. And we've just been highlighting one resource that's available. Now, uh, as a church, we've made Right Now Media available to everyone who wants it. You just email and then you get a, a, a login code. If you're wondering what that is, it's kind of like a streaming service like Netflix or, or Prime Video, but for Bible studies and, and, and Christian content. So you have the ability to really feed yourselves. You have the ability in your marriages to, to, to learn or parenting or, or mental health. There's so many different categories that you can look at and you can watch, you can grow, and you can learn. And, and so I have uh, uh, viewed a lot of them. Some are better than others. And that's the beauty of it. Because if you start one and you're like, man, this isn't very good. And you can stop it and start another one. That's kind of the beauty of it without investing in something. Isn't that frustrating? You know, when you buy something and you realize, eh, well, this, you don't have to worry about it. A, it's free for you. And then B, you can just try something else. So uh, this morning, we're actually going to look at uh, a topic that I actually love. And that is the Bible. Now, why I love the Bible is we all have an opportunity to hear God every day. We really do. We have the opportunity to hear from God every day. But here's the challenge. We, we just don't really know how. How do we do this? And, and, and especially when you consider the Bible, it's, it's a really big book. And it's not easy. It really, really isn't. It's a collection, actually, of lots of books in one. And it has different authors, languages, style, and culture and the word of God is divinely inspired by God. And it needs to be understood under the context of it's written by different people in different styles, in different language, with a different culture. And that can be overwhelming. And there's great resources out there that help us understand and really start. There's different ways that we can experience the Bible. Um, we can do it through kind of devotionals. And now uh, uh, something I use in the mornings, I, me and Katie will use this, and Katie actually does it quite, quite prevalently with other people, is uh, devotionals on an app called YouVersion. Who's ever heard of YouVersion before? It's a Bible app. Uh, lots of Bible studies on there, and, 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 and they give us an opportunity to not just also enjoy Scripture, but also help understand what we're reading because it has an insight along with it. And there's different it's topical. You can do it on stress, on marriage, on parent, on finances, or you can go through books of the Bible, etc. if you want to. Now, um, while the Word of God is divinely inspired by God, the people who interpret the Bible uh, aren't necessarily that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of mumbling, but while the Word of God is divinely inspired, um, we influence the Word. Like, I come from experiences, and I view the world, and I have lenses, right? And, and, and how I interpret the Bible gets mixed up in that. And if I'm having a bad week, and I read something, I can interpret it through the lens of that bad week or that bad experience or that, that bad time. And I, and I continually kind of try to illustrate that we, we don't allow our circumstances to shape what we believe, but our circumstances definitely shape what we read. Does that kind of make sense? And then sometimes when people hear that, they're kind of scared. Well, what do you mean? Are you saying that the Bible, it's nothing to do with the Bible, it's, it's people. And so that's the limitation of devotionals. That when we actually read those devotionals, we are reading the word, but we're also getting someone's opinion on that word. And I would say like 95, 98% of the time, it's, it's really, really good. We understand that and we need to understand that there's a, there's a limit to that. Now, we can actually read the Bible and understand it. So the question is, how can we do it? How do we navigate all the different languages, culture, styles? How do we actually get something out of 
reading the Bible. So uh, this morning, I want to highlight a resource that I actually love, and I, I use this quite consistently. And it's, uh, uh, if you've been around when Pastor Jen's been here, and, and Pastor Jen has chosen two videos from uh, the Bible Project, specifically uh, Tim Mackey. And uh, if you don't know, Tim Mackey is part of the Bible Project. He also has podcast. It is a phenomenal resource. And on uh, their website, also on Right Now Media, they have a video series called How to Read the Bible. And it is uh, um, long and extensive, but this morning I just want us to see this trailer here. So let's play the trailer. Our How to Read the Bible series will teach you to understand the Bible's message and appreciate its unique literary design. The Bible is an intricate work of art that tells one unified story that leads to Jesus. But it isn't like any book you've ever read. It's actually a collection of books, each with its own purpose. And to make it more interesting, the Bible isn't even written in one particular literary style or genre. What do we mean by genre? Genres are a unique style of communicating, with certain ones being more effective at communicating different ideas or stories. Like a news article is one type of genre, while a children's book is another. Each genre has separate techniques and rules that writers use to communicate. The Bible has three main literary styles, narrative, poetry, and prose. This series unpacks the important elements of each of the Bible's literary styles while walking through key sections of the Bible. The Bible is a large book, but it doesn't have to be intimidating. Watch our How to Read the Bible series and see how the Bible is divinely inspired literature that leads us to Jesus. Episode one is an overview of the entire biblical story. So let's get started. Now, this series, if you look it up, is about 19 videos, which is like, whoa, 19 videos. But it's broken up in a way that I actually still use. I, I just actually used it last month. Now, uh, the first two videos kind of give an overview of, of how the Bible was designed, uh, how, how things were chosen to be part of it, and, and all that kind of stuff, which is re actually really interesting. And then it's broken up into different, different categories. And the different categories kind of are the different styles in text. And so you have, you have uh, videos that um, will talk about uh, the, how, to, how to read the prophets or, or how to read the apocalyptic scriptures. And that's like Daniel and Revelations and, and how to read the Old Testament and how to read the Gospels and how to read the New Testament letters, how, how to read poetry. And, and all that matters because they were written in a particular way. Now, in, in our culture today, in North American culture, we uh, tend to have a, what's, what's known as a written culture. We gather most of our information by what is actually written down. Now, the Bible is written, and the culture of the times the Bible is written in is probably the more popular way that, that people learn, and it is an oral history, meaning it was spoken down. And even what was written in the book was actually spoken to others. And, and so the literary styles that we find in Scripture are important because there is rules to oral history. They understood that they knew that when someone was, was telling a narrative, that, that this is how they were to interpret it. Or when someone's reading poetry, this is how they're to understand it. Or when they're hearing things, like when, when the church was reading the book of Revelation, how would they be understanding it? How would they be interpreting it? And, and all that is actually really, really important. Important. And so I will pull a video out when I'm reading a particular section of scripture. Uh, um, like I actually have a real hard time reading the poetry in scripture. It's not my favorite. 
And, and Psalms isn't really my, one of the examples of it because I have a hard time understanding it. And so even just about three months ago, I, do, I watched, they have two videos on how to read the poetry sections of Scripture. And so by watching it and learning, trying to get to understand uh, uh, how it's designed to be read and how it's designed to be understood, kind of opened my eyes to understand and appreciate and see it. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So this morning, uh, what I, I want to do this morning is actually show a way that I read the Bible. When I want to read the Bible and get more out of it, I kind of use this method. Now, <clears throat> sometimes uh, I'm actually choking on a bug, amazingly enough. But anyways, that's wonderful. Oh, I love that. Okay, let's keep moving. Now, Sometimes we kind of just read the Bible. Like I, I love reading books of the Bible, Philippians. I'll just read Philippians and I'll, I'll read. Yeah, thanks. I'll read like that. Whatever the letter may be, I'll, I'll read it. But sometimes I want to go deeper. And so I, I'm going to introduce a method that I use to go deeper. Now on our church website, so it's livingwaterpr.com. Again, the PR is very important. Livingwaterpr.com under the About Us section um, has this Bible study method on the website. So when you're hearing this, you don't have to freak out like, I'm missing all this, but it's actually there and available for everyone to use. And, and, and I use an acronym known as the REAP method. And I kind of made a slide that shows what REAP is. It's read, examine, apply, pray. Now, if you've been in church a long time, you probably heard other acronyms like SOAP, or I'm actually making them up. I don't know all of them. There's, there's lots out there that kind of do something that's very similar. But this is what I use. Read, examine, apply, pray. Now, that read category, we start there, actually is pray and read. Because PREAP is a weird acronym. It just says REAP because it makes sense, right? But under that R is the idea of praying and reading. The, the praying that the Holy Spirit would teach and correct us. And this is kind of coming from Timothy. Timothy gives us an example of how to read Scripture. And this is the role the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. He illuminates things. The Holy Spirit makes things evident. And, and I don't know if you've ever experienced something like this. Maybe you haven't. But if, you've, if you usually read one section of Scripture, like I can read Ephesians over and over again. It's one of my favorite books of the Bible. And sometimes I read it, and, and I already know it. And so you think that there's nothing that would stand out. But all of a sudden, something new stands out, which is amazing because I've read it so many times. How can there be something new there? That's part of the work of the Holy Spirit, that, that something applies to what I'm going through today. God is speaking to me today. And so it's the prayer. God, what are you speaking to me? What are you teaching me? Show me what you want me to see. And then read. And how I read, it's, it's a term called active reading. And so I ask questions when I'm reading. I, I try to look what's happening in the text. Uh, um, what's happening in this passage? Now, we live in an amazing era. When I went to Bible college, we did not really have the internet. Can I date myself right now? The internet existed, but like it didn't exist for anything that was that great. Right? We had really, really funny looking websites. Who remembers like the yellow websites? You know, or or um, the only real informational source available was Wikipedia, and that's not really a source. And so we actually had to use books, and it was actually quite painful, so no one really did it, right? But uh, uh, there was a, uh, one of the books I had in Bible College was this kind of this, this Henry's commentary, and the commentary would always start with an introduction of the book. Now, you don't have to own the book to be able to experience that. There's websites like the Blue Letter Bible and, and really Google where you can give, give me an intro of the book of Philippians, and then it'll come out, and sometimes those introductions are incredibly intimidating because they're written by theologians. And they will use words that I need a dictionary and all that kind of stuff. All that's really important is 
who is the author writing to? So Philippians, tell me about Philippi, where he's writing, and what's the theme? And, and, and by knowing that, we can already learn a lot about what we're reading because it kind of matters. And then what's being emphasized? What, what is the author trying to say? What's he pointing out? And what stands out to you? And, and if you walk into uh, my office, you'll see on my desk, it looks like a bomb went off. And there's sticky notes everywhere. Anyone else a sticky note fan? Yeah. Like, I love sticky notes. And this is, I literally read something, I'm like, whoa, that's that. I'm throwing a sticky note, hit it on my desk. And then I walk away, do something else. Oh, yeah, that thing. And I call them, I sticky note. Right? And sticky notes are an amazing Bible tool. And they're awesome. So use sticky notes. Uh, and then we go to kind of examine. This is how we kind of go deeper. What does he, how does the author want us to respond? What's the goal? What's he trying to say? What does it tell us about the character of God? Because how we view God is incredibly important. And then I kind of added this third thing. How, are any of my views about God or myself wrong? Because it's really important to understand that we can be wrong. I remember having this moment uh, when I was in Bible college, actually, and we were doing a, a, a class and, and we were learning something and it was different than how I grew up. And it was a moment that I realized that my tradition was a little bit different than what's in Scripture. And, and, and if we don't have the humility to say, I can be wrong, then we're actually limiting what we can really learn or hear from God. Because we can be wrong. And, and uh, I, I love the story. I don't know if this is a true story or not, but I, someone shared it and I stole it. And it's, uh, it's not my story, so I'll pretend it's my story right now. I'm giving away all my secrets. Oh my goodness. But... Uh, it's a story of um, a, a, a grandchild asks the grandma, why do you cut the ends of the pot roast off? Right? And, and, and they'll say, well, because, you know, my mom did it. Right? And then they find out that their mom did it because they couldn't fit the roast in the pan. Right? Sometimes we just carry tradition because it's tradition. We don't need to still do it. That leaks into our beliefs as well. Some of the things that we practice or say is truth from Scripture is really just tradition that we've created. And there's nothing wrong with tradition. What happens, though, is when we make tradition greater than the truth of God's word, right? So if we don't have the humility to say, maybe I'm wrong about what I, how I view myself or how I view God, then we're missing what uh, Scripture can do for us. And then we apply it. How do I need to respond? What truths can be applied? What truths can be believed? And, and, and how can I turn those truths into action? How can I actually do something? And then the final word, P, is Pray. You pray through the passage. Pray through the section. Now, I only really do this when I'm looking at a small section of Scripture. I won't do this for the entire book of uh, uh, Thessalonians or the entire book of Philippians. It, if something stands out, I will look deeper in and use this method. And so this morning, we're just going to walk through it together. And we're going to walk through it in a psalm because I'm reading psalms now because I need to challenge myself. Again, psalms is not something I like. But uh, I thought after I watched the videos that I should give this a, a try because there's really good things here. God speaks through his word. And so I, I just started in Psalms 1. And I use this method with Psalms 1. And so I'm going to take you on the journey with me. So I'm actually this morning, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation because that's my devotional Bible. All oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never, never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. 
They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. So normally, I will read a psalm like this, and then I will move on. Because I'm ticking a box. Time to read the Bible. That's a lot of words. Wow, a lot of things. Poor wicked people, right? That's generally what I used to really get out of the Psalms. And this is a kind of a pastor being obvious. But what if there's more? What if actually God's speaking to me in this? So this is when I would break down and now use this method. So I would pray, God, what, what, what do you have for me? What are you speaking to me personally? And, and then I read it. Okay, what's happening in the scripture? And as I'm thinking that, there's kind of two types of people that's being referred to in the scripture. Those who delight in the law of the Lord, or delight in God's word, and, and those who don't. Those are kind of the two people being highlighted here. Those who delight, when the, what's that kind of being emphasized in this? That those who delight actually prosper in all they do, and we see that in verse 3. And those who don't, it leads them to destruction, and we see that in verse 6. So right away we see, that, okay, there's two people that David is highlighting here. There's two people God's talking to. Those who delight in, in, in God's word and those who don't. And there's actions to what happens to those who do and those who don't. One prosper, one leads to destruction. And so as I look at that, now we can examine it even further. And so we read, now we're examining. How does David want us to respond? What is the goal David's using here? Why is David writing this? And, and so this is, these are my personal reflections, and maybe they'll be yours as well. But I think he encourages us to meditate. That's found in verse 2. Now here's where we grab words that kind of catch our attention. And meditate caught my attention. Now if you just seeing this word for the first time, I think there's a lot of things we can think of when we think of meditate. And some of the first thoughts that generally come into people's mind when we have the word meditate is kind of the, the chanting or, or the emptying our mind, kind of coming, finding balance, peace, this idea of emptying. But there, there needs to be a biblical definition of meditate. What does David mean when he says meditate? Now, there's resources out there we can use. Uh, we can look up the word, and, and what does that word meditate mean? Kind of like a dictionary. And, and we get something out of it, but it doesn't really tell us context, right? The word meditate, uh, the basic definition is to moan, mutter, utter, speak, right? And, and, and if we did that in the English language, you know, would it be any different, right? We could look up the word trunk, and it could mean tree trunk, elephant trunk. So not all those things are the meaning. But we know that David is speaking in a particular language, and he is uh, uh, of a particular culture. He's Jewish. So what does meditate mean to the Jewish culture? Now, here's where we have the beauty of the internet. I mean, you could just Google it, and there'll be people who have opinions about it. There'll maybe be three or four different opinions, and most likely there won't be. There'll be just kind of a opinion, and you realize that the biblical definition for meditate is not actually to empty your mind, but to fill it. It kind of means to go over and over again. It's, it's to, uh, uh, one of the things I read, which was fun, uh, fun only that I learned uh, several years ago that I guess cows have multiple stomachs. Did you know that? I, you know, I actually didn't really know that. And when a, a cow eats grass, it's actually kind of gross, right? He eats it, and he kind of regurgitates it, and then it goes in the second stomach, and third stomach, and fourth stomach, and, it, and that's how a cow processes grass. Now, that is the understanding, the Jewish and cultural understanding of the word meditate. It's actually to fill our mind. And, and that's why culture is so important, because if we don't understand the cultural context, then we don't really understand the word. Kind of let me give you an example. Imagine that 
uh, um, a thousand years from now, you know, the predominant language being spoken is Greek. The Greek have taken over. And now English is kind of the, the Bible's been translated from English into Greek, or our writing has been. Now, there's some expressions in the English language that I find quite funny. Now, I'm Italian, and I didn't grow up with these expressions, right? And one is, you know, that's like the pot calling the kettle black. So maybe a thousand years from now, we don't any, have any cultural reference for that saying. And so we see this written somewhere, and we think it's about a black pot or a black kettle. And now we teach people, don't be a black kettle. Black kettles. And now we have the church of the black kettles. You kind of see where I'm getting. That, that understanding what the word means culturally is important to its understanding. That's why we can't just say, well, I'm reading the Bible. This is what the Bible says. Well, the Bible's not English. It's translated into English. But if we don't take time to understand what's being communicated, then we're missing its truth. And, and in today, and right now, in today's age, there is a lot of information. There's YouTube videos. There is blogs and podcasts and people with really good intentions will frame the Bible in the context of North America when that's not the context of the Bible. Does it apply to us today? 100%. But if we don't, if we, if we miss the nuances of what he's saying, we miss the depth. And meditate is one of those words because in our culture to meditate is different than what is being explained here. And it's deeper and richer when we understand it. Also, what does this say about God? Now, this is where uh, I was challenged. Not necessarily this month, but a long time ago, where, where sometimes, can I be wrong? And here's one of the ways. God's desire for us is to prosper. God wants us to prosper. Again, why was this such a hard concept for me? Because I was translating it in North American terms, in my context. And in my context, and maybe you'll be, feel it different than me, when I hear the word prosper, I think of money and gain. Is anyone else kind of with me? I, I think it's kind of like the North American definition of prosper and success is, is all money related. But that's not the culture that this is written in. And, and, and the Jewish understanding or the cultural understanding to prosper is beautiful. It's actually holistic. It's that in mind, body, family, and influence that there be growth. Be growth in, in, in all those different areas of our lives. That we would walk in blessing. Right? I, I love one person said it to me. You know, if it doesn't work in Ethiopia, it can't work here. Right? That's a, that's a good way to filter things. And again, we're limited if we don't understand the textual context of what he's saying. I hope I'm not totally boring you, but I, I want to see how we can actually read the Bible, learn, and grow. So then, how do we apply this? How do I respond? What are some truths that I can apply and believe? You know, what can I do? What is the action word? And, and I, I think there's some responses. One of the responses is we can repent. Now, repent, again, is a fun word. I love it. Repent! But it simply means to turn. It's not an angry word. It's an action word. If we are going this way, repent means to go this way. It's a, it's a turn. Now, again, I use my hiking stories because I get lost so many times. And I go off trail so many times. And if we want to understand it through the context of hiking, it's like getting back onto the trail. I have wandered off the trail. I've been distracted, especially hunting. And all of a sudden, I'm now in the middle of nowhere, and i got to find the trail again. I am repenting. 
You need to, to go back to the right track. And, and so for me, that change of course is, do I have a daily devotional life? Am I actually reading the Bible? Am I doing this or, or am I putting it aside? Because those who love God's word prosper and those who don't, don't. And I want to prosper as a, as a dad, as a husband, as an employee, uh, um, as a neighbor, as a human being. I want to prosper. What's like an applied truth? You know, if, I, if we understand that word meditating, what am I filling my mind with? What is constantly owning the real estate of my thoughts? Am I filling it with like uh, news and information and all that kind of stuff? And am I just constantly over and over and over again just, just thinking about it? When we understand the word meditate, we can see that we can actually all be experts in meditation. Who has ever showered and has thought through an argument or a fight the entire shower? Who's just sit there? I can't believe she said that, right? When I see her again, right? And we're washing our hair and we've just now meditated constantly on the word that was said, right? Or we watch something on the news, right? And I'm watching actually a friend of mine who she works in Costa Rica. And so I'm watching the flooding in Costa Rica. And I'm just like, this world is falling apart. Everyone is drowned. I'm meditating on disaster. What's filling our mind? You see, objectively, there's nothing wrong with being informed, being intelligent, seeing things. The challenge is what's actually owning the time in our mind. How do we meditate on God's truth? Those who love and delight in the word of God, they prosper. How do I delight in his word? How can I, go, how can I spend more time? Holy Spirit, how are ways that I can delight? And, and that's meditating. Can I make this a practice in my life? How do I meditate on God's word when I'm dealing with this right now? when I'm looking at my finances, when my boss is being, you know, inconsiderate, or when the person I work with is so annoying, or my spouse has done this, or my kids are doing this, how do I meditate on God's word and live practically? God is calling me to prosper. I remember when I read this two months ago. If you look at verse 3, it says, They are like trees planted along a riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. They produce fruit in every season. Now, personally, this season of COVID-19 has been like not just four seasons. You know, I think of a seasons, I think of four seasons. It's been like 16 seasons all lumped up in, like, you know, however long this has been. And a season can be a day. And there's moments in seasons where I was not producing fruit and where I was withering. And yet the Word of God says that someone who delights in God's Word produces fruit in every season and never withers. Now there is an application point for me. Okay, God, let me meditate on that. How do I produce fruit when I feel dry? How do I produce fruit when every way I've produced fruit is taken away from me before? Then you kind of end in prayer. No, God, would you forgive me for just even neglecting time with you or for neglecting your word because I don't understand it or for not having a practice 
where I'm delighting in your word. Help me to rearrange, to make priorities. Now, help me to just even change the things I'm filling my mind with. Just be really practical with God's word. And that's how he speaks through his word. He illuminates. He shows us when we read, when we examine, when we apply, and when we pray. God is meeting with us. When the Bible says that the word of God is living and active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces through bone and marrow, you know, soul and spirit. This is the power of the word of God. And it has room to apply to my life and to our lives today. If it can divide bone and marrow, which I think is probably really hard, then there is something for me today. There must be a way that I can produce fruit in this season. He must be telling me something. So this morning, I just want to challenge us to begin to read the Bible and start easy. I don't know how many times I, okay, I'm going to start in Genesis. You know what? The Old Testament, it's actually really hard. Can we just say that? Like some of it, I'm like, I have a real hard time still with the genocide. Like I read it, I'm like, I don't fully understand it. I'm watching the videos, I'm learning and I'm growing. The Psalms, like what? I'm learning, I'm growing. So just start somewhere. I, I always tell people, my, one of my favorite books is Mark. If you got to read a gospel, read Mark because it's short and it's like to the point. And I am short and to the point. Start somewhere. Start reading with sticky notes. Make one note. Google something. See what comes up. See if I can learn and go deeper. Take a risk and pray. Okay, God, what do you want to say to me today? Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I, when I grew up in church, I thought this was devotions, okay? I would say, God, I need you because I am, I messed something. My teenage years was a lot of me making mistakes, right? So I'm like, okay, God, speak to me now. All right, I am in Isaiah 41. Oh, wow, it's good. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. That worked out. But sometimes it's not like that. <laughs> Or, you know, it could be, or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood and won't decay. I'm like, what does that mean, God? Well, that, start, start with a book. Start reading. Start with Philippians. Start with Ephesians. Start with any of the Johns. Break it down. Read. God, what are you saying? And, and grow together. So can I challenge you? Read your Bible. Let's try it. Awesome. Well, let's pray. God, I thank you that you're just really full of grace. We don't have to understand it all. We don't have to be perfect. We don't all have to think the same and agree on the same things to learn and to experience from your word, God. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us. Illuminate things. Would you teach us to read and understand? I pray that you would help us go deeper. Most of, most of the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would grow in us a humility to recognize where maybe our beliefs were a little wrong and where we need to be shaped more by you and your word and less by our tradition and our thoughts. Help me, God. Help us. Amen. This morning, if you need further prayer, um, I'm here. I have my mask with me. I put it down somewhere, but I have another one in my office.